The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey guys, Mazodcast is now on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Patreon page and get extra content from the guys, outtakes from the show, and any insider news that we have, we provide it there first. It doesn't cost much and your support helps the show. Join the Mazodcast Patreon and be part of the team. Here are our secrets. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazodcast. Hey, Colin, you know, when yeah. we got this new intro, I was planning to put new clips in for all the exciting mm-hmm. Mizzou good moments, but uh, I, sure. I didn't I didn't factor in all the sucking. Yeah, the sucking is a surprise. You know, oh. I didn't think we'd be awesome, but sucking, part where we suck, that was... Uh, that's caught me a bit off guard. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I'm Brendan Anthony, host of Mazzotcast. With me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. And I know about sucking. <laughs> People are going to miss their what's up dum-dums. Oh, what's up dum-dums? There you go. Sorry, <laughs> I was so preoccupied with the idea of sucking. Yeah, it was a sucky day, obviously. Uh, the reason we're here today is to discuss Missouri's loss at Boston College, 41 to 34. It was ugly. An overtime loss for our Tigers. Yeah. God damn. Uh, I really had high hopes for this game, especially after uh, we marched right down the field and score and then uh, immediately get an interception. But that was uh, where the, you know, the enthusiasm basically started to wane. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. It, it was an interesting game from the standpoint of uh, we continued to move the ball. We continued to score. It was back and forth. I mean, it was an entertaining game. If you weren't a Mizzou fan or if you were just a – if you were a fan of neither one of these teams and you happened to stumble upon this game, you would have got your money's worth. Um, Agreed. There were seven lead changes, I believe. Yeah. I mean, it was a good game. But, uh, I mean, Brittany, it reminds me of 2017 – and I remember leading up to that season, Drew Locke wasn't going to be a freshman anymore. And we had some high expectations for the Tigers going into that season. And I remember the very first game, we literally attended the game. It was Mizzou versus Missouri State. Mm. Missouri State scored like 43 points on us and just kind of fucking ran all over us. We scored 70, right? Like we, we went crazy. Yeah, we scored like 72. So we're like, well, there's the offense we all thought. You're like, oh, there's Drew Locke and the offense is going to be good and we're going to be great. And this is a year. This is a year we could really do something. And then I just remember going, leaving that Missouri State game thinking, oof, that didn't look great. And uh, despite the fact we scored 70 points. And then it led right into a, a thrashing at fucking South Carolina. And then we that was when we shit the bed the next game against fucking Purdue. And it just it led to just a disastrous season, a painful 
well, season. It led and, to one uh, of those classic Barry Odom seasons where we lose five consecutive games, and then he wins five games to sort of salvage his job. And then it had to do that like three straight years for the uh, for the axe finally came. But it was it was one of those first encounters with oh, this team is deeply flawed, and we're going to have to endure it all year long. Yeah, well, that's a great way to put it. Deeply flawed. I mean, that's what we see now. Yeah, we're well, watching the Tigers, and you kind of hoped. And prayed Central Michigan was an anomaly, and we just weren't, you know, we were sleeping on them a little bit because it's the first game. And then the next game, you're like, well, we gave Kentucky a good run, you know, and but we, you know, they're a better team, so we'll live with it. Um, Semo, and then you see this game. Semo's an aberration. It means nothing. Yeah, Semo. I'm not going to mention them. You know, I mean, like it's nothing. You know, you can't learn anything from that. And then you you come to Boston College, and you're just like, oh well. I mean, Boston College has got a offensive line with some NFL level talent on it. And you know, if our defensive line made a tackle all day, I'd be surprised. I mean, it, our defensive line is as bad as I can remember us having a defensive line. Our linebackers are undersized, and Blaze Aldridge is one of the. He reminds me of uh, Dan Sorensen for the Chiefs. It's like. He's going to make a good play once in a while. Something's going to go like, God damn, that was a nice play. But when you start actually doing the calculations on the positives to the negatives, he's just, I mean, he's treading water at best. I mean, he slides off of tackles like a wet, hot turd, you know, and he's, you can tell he's undersized. I mean, fucking guys blow him up. At least Martez Manuel, you know, has his name called a handful of times this week. I think he shared but, the uh, 11 tackles was tops, and he shared that number with Blaze Aldridge this week, which I was happy to see. And like I said, that was, you know, if there's any upside, that was that was one of them. I, he had a he had some, a tackle for a loss and a sack, I think, and, you know, was involved in some breakups and some tackles. I mean, he was he had a decent game. but Well, Colin, I think we need to back up a little bit and just kind of talk about what this game really means. I mean, what we know about the Tigers right now is, one, I think the most important thing is in, on this day, the Boston College game, is the time – I think that Eli Drinkwitz's honeymoon period officially ends. You know what I mean? Like he's cutting his teeth now because things aren't great and questions are coming his way and people are losing patience and, you know, the kind of things that can easily be restored with a big win over, say, Tennessee or something. But it's the first time I'm hearing real criticism of him. And granted, we've been hearing criticism about Steve Wilkes since the Central Michigan game. But I think this is the real like line in the sand where, okay, Drinkwitz is no longer a first-year coach with nothing but high hopes in front of him. We've now got a record. And he's a 500 coach right now. And I do think good times are ahead. And I'm still on Team Drinkwitz. But it's the first sort of chink in the armor, I guess. Yeah, I if you if you I'm, go by social media anyway, sure, sure, and he deserves some criticism. I mean, in this game, there were times when when I think Drinkwitz got tight. You know, what I mean, like on one uh, like third and four, he runs it fucking right up the gut. You know, if Mizzou has any success on running plays, they it's when they stretch it out and do those like zone runs, and he like fucking just ran it between the tackles, and the guy got hit in the backfield and fourth down it's like i thought you're supposed to be a creative play caller you're gonna fucking run it between the tackles up the gut which we don't do well you know on a third and four and i don't know like uh and then you know on the goal line you can get conservative there's times when he just tightens up i feel like you know and i don't think that's his natural state but i think drinkwitz i feel like drinkwitz may be a surprise at how badly his team is or as bad as defense is right now and how his team is performing, I think he might be as surprised as, as anybody. And I mean, or not really surprised, but it caught him off guard too. And, it, and as a result, he's starting to feel a little pressure. And some of the play calling in, in tight situations becomes tight, becomes very conservative. And it's like, what? Why now? 
And then you go into overtime, and the first fucking play in overtime, and you're gonna throw a fucking fade past the corner of the fucking end zone with two in, with two defenders covering. I mean, uh, it sometimes just doesn't make much sense, and that could have been base Lex call. But yeah, well, I was gonna say that's. Uh <laughs> that's a that's a throw I'm sure Basilek wishes he could have back. But and you're you're just referring to the offense column, which really wasn't the main problem in this game. The obvious problem in this game is the continued failures of Missouri's defense, and then that seems to beg the question. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I see it everywhere from the press box super friends to the message boards to Twitter. People discussing Steve Wilkes defense and whether this is an issue surrounding the scheme and whether it's garbage or the personnel and whether we're just simply undersized and unable to physically perform the schemes as they're intended. And I mean, I feel like it's kind of, it's basically an optimist versus pessimist camp. I think if you're optimistic, you think next year's where we're going to be great because we've got big horses coming in. Or if you're a pessimist, you're kind of like, no, Steve Wilkes just sucks. Well, I mean, I'm not ready to go. Steve Wilkes just sucks, but as bad as they're playing and they are undersized and they're under talented and, um, but there are some definitely some execution issues. And, um, you know, so he's not – I don't give him a full pass, but I think people are being too hard on Wilkes right out of the gate. I mean, this is his first season. He's trying to install a new defense, and I don't think he's got a lot of – I mean, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Uh, Colin, I think our defense, unfortunately, has way too much chicken shit on it right now. I do always wonder about these guys who come from the NFL. Derek Dooley on the offensive side. It, you know, I've, I'm stung by Dooley, I guess, in that – Sometimes we get these guys and they're like, ooh, they're coming from the NFL. They've got all these innovations from the NFL. These are NFL. He was an NFL head coach at Arizona. And and I just think, yeah, but he's not anymore. You know what I mean? And um, Yeah, and you know what Arizona doesn't have why? to do? <laughs> do it with fucking two-star recruits or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, and, and they can get free agents mid-season to fix their problems. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a, it's not the same thing. And you're not well, I'm just saying, like, why isn't he there anymore? Sometimes when we get NFL guys, you yeah. realize you're getting NFL retreads. And uh, that's why they're playing yeah, at Mizzou. Getting- 
because they're rehabbing their image. The offensive coordinator for Mizzou, if he's had a good an offensive coordinator in the NFL, probably not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which should, tells you all you need to know. But um, Yeah, I think it wasn't uh, – Dooley was like a wide receivers coach, and somehow we thought that would translate into a great offense, and it didn't. No, it didn't at all. It didn't at all. I, You know what? Mizzou's just missing – they're missing any real talent on the defensive line, truthfully. I mean – that uh, you watch Trey Williams play for Arkansas, and you're like, Jesus Christ, that guy's an animal. And we don't have anybody that's in the fucking same neighborhood. Nobody's in the same town. Nobody's in the same city on our defensive line as that guy. You well, know what I mean, like, we are not even fucking close. We don't have anybody that's a game breaking talent like that on our defensive line. Not even. I mean, we don't have anybody on our field right now that I could point at and say that is a that is a that's an NFL level talent. Not on the defensive end. Maybe he's out there. Maybe he's one of our secondary guys. Maybe Martez Manuel develops into that. But right now, when I when I see those types of players, I'm like, man, we don't got anybody like that. Well, we have no star power. It begs the question, I guess, Colin. Then why was Eli Drinkwitz caught flat footed? If we, if our talent level is so low, and it has been obviously since camp, shouldn't he have been aware? Do you think he's been trying to paste over what has always been a deficient core at defense? I think he thought he's going to have a good offense, and it may be good enough to make up for a, a you know, a middling defense. But he probably thought it was going to be middling. He didn't think it was going to be historically bad because that's what Mizzou is. I mean, they're in the fucking like if you look at the Division One defensive stats, Mizzou is in the fucking toilet in just about everything. Well, I know you certainly know? against the run, I think we're the worst defense in yeah, the in the entire college football at I, the Division One level. Next the to Vanderbilt, I think, I think it's maybe a little tight and caught off guard a little bit because he probably thought we are going to be a very mediocre defense. But you know what? With Tyler Beatty and Connor Basilak, Kiki Chisholm, and these new guys, we're going to be fine. We're going to score a lot of points, and if we can just get a couple stops out of the defense, we'll be fine. But I don't. What I don't think he was anticipated. I don't think. I know none of the Mizzou fans anticipated was us being historically bad. Well, the, an absolute shit through a tin horn in just a swinging fucking gate. I mean, we are terrible. This is, again, referencing 2017. This is the kind of statistics we were looking at, which was like, we're not just a mediocre or a bad defense. We're the worst. We are the worst (laughs) at defending the football. And that's where we sit now. And it's just like, well, you know, Mizzou put up a lot of points with 34 points. They they put up a lot of points against Kentucky. They put up a lot of points against Central Michigan, and they've put up a lot of points against SEMO. There's a lot of criticism for Bazelak, and granted, he threw two absolutely brutal killer interceptions in this game, but he is not the reason Mizzou is a 500 football Got team the, the, the Mizzou right fans now. that are just like bagging on Bazelak, I do not get it. I mean, I'm not saying he's perfect, but I'm just like, Bazelak is doing things right now that the last three quarterbacks we have hadn't done this well. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't, I'm not saying Bazelak's perfect, but I'm like, if you have criticism for fucking Bazelak, you should have been ready to burn Drew Locke and fucking Matty Mock at stake. I don't remember the last time we had a fucking Mizzou quarterback who could sustain 11 play drives with some regularity. Plus, he throws a decent deep ball. He's accurate. I mean, like, I get it. He's made mistakes, but they're all going to make mistakes. And he's a fucking sophomore. I think when people look at Mizzou's Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks, I think the first head they chisel into the stone is Chase Daniel. But I don't think everybody fully appreciates the arsenal that Chase Daniel had at his disposal, both in the wide receiver core, but also the offensive line. He never got touched, and he could throw to anybody he wanted, and they would catch the ball. And Mizzou hasn't had that kind of offensive firepower since. The one thing that our Mizzou football team is doing right now and has since last year with when Drinkwitz came, and I don't know if this is because of Drinkwitz or just happenstance, but the one thing that Mizzou does better 
now than they have since basically I've been a Mizzou fan is catch the fucking football. Like you do not see dozens of drops in these games. I mean, there, there's not a guy on the roster right now that I go, man, what a Jamon Moore that kid is. Yeah. You know I mean, remember how many balls Jamon Moore dropped? More than he caught. I mean, he, he was. was the, Oh fuck! He was a fifty-fifty proposition catching the ball. He was. And I uh, do the not mo- feel that way with our wide receivers right now. I think Jamon Moore was the most frustrating tiger to root for or against because he would absolutely make you furious with his terrible drops, and then he'd make a spectacular play that would save us games. And it was it was just a uh, miserable time. But you're right. I I agree. These guys catch footballs that keep Connor Bazelak beat. It makes him able to sustain these long, long drives that you mentioned, Colin, being able to reliably catch the football. Beatty, I think should be mentioned, didn't have the world's best game this week. He, I mean, he, I think he had like 72 yards rushing. He added another like 38 in it through the air. He's so versatile. Obviously, he's always going to have over 100 yards in uh, total yardage. But the story of this game just is the defense and I guess timely turnovers as well. But like we were down at a point in this game in the fourth quarter where I think a lot of people really got confident in Drinkwitz because we did claw our way back. And obviously it was that Harrison Mevis 56-yard kick that put it into overtime in the first place. And you think, okay, Barry Odom team just put Tuck's tail and loses this game. And here we are clawing our way into overtime. But then the way overtime went, I think that deflates the entire balloon uh, because it was just couldn't have been worst case scenario. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> It was a brutal fucking game. I mean, it was fucking brutal. This is a team uh, that uh, this is a team that we really should beat. You know, it it was on the road. Granted, that is always a tough environment, someplace we're not used to. There was all the shit about Drinkwitz's comments before the game that got everybody fired up. But at the end of the day, the defense just flat out didn't perform and sh- has not been able to show to this point that they're going to learn how to perform. And we are just yeah, going I- to endure these sorts of gut punches throughout the year unless we can simply outscore somebody. And Basilak is a competent quarterback, but we don't have the kind of firepower outside of Tyler Beatty unless somebody else – I mean – it's coming together. I mean, Michael Cox has gained himself a uh, sort of short down yardage running back position now, and our receivers are showing up. I was glad to see some Toski Dove get into the action finally. But, like, we're going to have to put up 50 on somebody. You know what I mean? It's going to have to be 50 burgers. And I'm not seeing us do 50 burgers yet. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of optimism right now. I mean, with this defense, I mean, I am I feel fine about our offense ultimately. Like, we can we – can, argue with people about whether Baselock is and isn't good enough, you know, is Cox or Young going to play, you know, some running back, you know, which wide receiver is going to come into their own. We can, we can have all those conversations, but it's this season almost feels like a wash when you're the defense plays this badly. I mean, what are you going to do? I know. And and the thing is last season was a wash, you know, last week's season was supposed to be the wash season. And I look, I talked to people before the season started and like, Oh yeah, I think we can do okay this season. But next year where, where I'm really excited. I mean, I don't know. I, I hate to look, I hate to, I didn't want to give up on the year 2021. I thought we had talent and I thought we had a schedule in place that would allow us to be successful, but we, Things have to radically change for us to be successful this year. I mean, now we've got to decide, are we going to make a bowl? When you played, looked at Boston College, I was like, I have no doubt that our offense on the whole was more talented than theirs. Our skill positioning players were better, and our quarterback was better, but they had a better offensive line. And our defense sucks, so they moved the ball all day, and they eventually won. But when I looked at them, I still saw 
you know, South Carolina. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I worry about is like, we can't stop South Carolina. You know what I mean? Like we can't stop Tennessee. We can't stop anyone. So it's really going to come down to, can we outscore people? Because we're going to let them score every time. And it's going to boil down to, can Bayslack and Beatty and the rest of the offense score consistently enough? Because that's really what, like the Boston College game came down to. Can can Beatty and Bayslack keep us in this and and maybe even win it? And when we got up, I was like, hey, here we go. I mean, they just can't score with us. You know what I mean? Like, our defense may fucking suck, but you know what I mean? Like, we're, you know, we're starting to, move the ball and they can't, they don't have really an answer for it. And uh, if we can just get another stop, we may actually win this thing by two touchdowns. And I, they just won these long, huge methodical drives because the defense cannot do anything. I mean, I really, I need to look up the, the defensive line stats. I, I guarantee it was under five tackles. You know what I mean? Or like maybe not. I mean, but it's, it was probably, wasn't much more than that. And I bet none of them are tackles for loss. You know what I mean? Like it's just, well, and Colin, here's the thing that disturbs me about Steve Wilkes' defense is that I think we had one sack on the day, and that was supposed to be a hallmark of this defense was that it was disturb the quarterback, cause oh, turnovers, right. make sacks, blitz, blitz, blitz. We had one sack on the day against a backup quarterback for yeah, Boston Carlin. watch that game again and just watch the defensive line and watch the blitzes. I mean, our defensive line is so bad that their linemen were literally locked up with our defensive linemen. And half the time, that offensive lineman could basically disengage one half of his fucking body and one of his arms and also block the blitzer at the same fucking time. Because our defensive line isn't even fucking handful enough to make a defense or an offensive lineman not be able to pick up a blitz. <laughs> I saw that multiple times because they sent blitzers all game and they didn't get home. You, I mean, you guys watch the game. They didn't get home very often. It's because their fucking offensive line was clipping them. Oh, God, it's frustrating. I mean, watching our defensive line play makes me physically angry. And I'm just, it's hard not to want to go full troll on like, you know, but then you got to remember like, oh, they're fucking student athletes and stuff. You're like, Jesus Christ, guys. Like, this is fucking terrible. <laughs> like, you have parents, right? You don't want to do this in front of the whole world, but you got family that's going to be wildly embarrassed for you, aren't you? <laughs> Well, Colin, here's the bad news that we have to issue to um, Mizzou fans, which is, fuck, Arkansas is going to beat us this year, guys. I mean, it's just it. It, That game's over. We don't even need to go. It's done. We're going to lose that game. I mean, we suck, and they're good. That's it. You know, this is not the kind of talk you'd heard out of us come August, but you honestly, Colin, you think fucking we have a chance against Arkansas this year in Fayetteville? No, not none. None. How would we ever stop Arkansas? No, we can't. They beat Texas A&M this week. And you know what? Texas A&M, they're going to beat us too. Both participants in that game are going to beat Missouri. And here's another fun fact for you. Florida is going to kick our ass. Florida had a 19 and a half point spread against Tennessee. A lot of people took that game because 19 and a half is a lot of points in it. Florida's coming off a really close, really emotional game against Alabama. And you know what Florida did? They beat Tennessee 38 to fucking 14. They are a freight train this year. Nobody saw them coming, but they were going to clobber us. We may not make a bowl. We may not make a bowl. Yeah. I mean, honestly, how do you win a football game without a defense? It makes it incredibly difficult. I keep saying it, but that's what... It's got, I think Drankowitz up his own ass right now. I mean, he looks worried and he should. Yeah, his swagger is not like what it once was. Yeah, your defense ain't there, Butch. It's over. You know what I mean? Like, they're not just middling to okay. They're terrible. They're the yeah. worst in the fucking nation. What do you do with that? 
Yeah, it's you know, Demonte Cross time. It's Demonte Cross time in my mind. I think that uh, I'm not saying that Steve Wilkes' plan can't work, but I am saying that he is clearly not capable of implementing it this year, and he's not adapted that plan to fit the talent that he does have. And maybe that's not fair to him because the talent he has is not capable. But whatever is going on, it's worst case scenario. You know what I mean? His like problem is, is that you can sit on the blitzers you want. And uh, bring all the pressure you want. That leaves all your D backs one on one on an island. And if you can't get home and blitz, you're just going to get picked apart. Really, to run the fuck, uh, you know, uh, heads up man defense, all you really need is one consistent pass rusher. And if Steve Wilkes had that, I think we'd be okay. But he doesn't have that. He doesn't have even one consistent pass rusher. And he can't get home with blitzes. And therefore, these fucking defensive backs are left on an island one on one. And nobody can cover for more than three, three and a half seconds. One, two, three, four. That's the best you can hope for. That's how long these guys can run together before they're just going to get juked out of their shorts or they're going to, you know, drop the route. That's it. They're open. If, it, if you can't get to the, get home, then forget it. You know, and you can't drop into a zone and, and do all that blitzing. I guess you could zone blitz, but I mean, it's just, that's not what Wilkes is doing. So I don't know. They're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> How about that for analysis? They're fucked, Brennan. Well, Colin, I, I, one thing that we've seen in the past, whenever things are not going well and whenever they're sort of circling the drain, and I think they are right now. I think this loss to Boston College and the way we lost is it circled the drain moment. But uh, we heard from Eric Beisel, as you might remember, former Mizzou Tiger, and uh, he said in a tweet, if you're not 6'2 and 235 pounds plus, you shouldn't be playing Division One linebacker. Almost zero exceptions, 240 plus in the SEC for interior D-line, 6'2", and 300 pounds or more. Or you will get run through. You're playing against elite NFL prospects. You better eat like it. I have to think maybe he watched this Missouri-Boston College game. Yeah. Well, and he's not wrong, though I don't know if I want to hear it from the peanut gallery. Because <laughs> for all Beisel's blow, you know, bravado, that son of a bitch didn't piss a drop. You know what I mean? Like, uh, he could crack the starting lineup. But anyway, but I, he's right. And I don't know why I'm being hard on Beisel. I'm just pissed off. But <laughs> it's, uh, he's right. I mean, like I said, we're under talented. We're undersized and it's showing. I mean, that's what I mean about Blaze Aldridge. I mean, he just, I mean, look at him. He ain't big enough. You know what I mean? He's bouncing off people. Oh, no. It's not great. We've got Tennessee next week. And, you know, Colin, I, I this is one area where, you know, we do the voicemail segment, and we'll do that after the break here. And we got a lot of them, as you might imagine. I don't think I even put out a request for voicemails yet. They came anyway. And um, I want to hear what they have to say. I mean, I, I think it's fun to hear guys gloat whenever we uh, we do win, but it's cathartic to hear them just agonize the way you do <laughs> when we lose. And uh, I'm looking forward to it this week. Yeah, I'm in my feelings right now. Yeah, yeah, me too. The more we talk about it, the more pissed and sort of sad I get. So why don't we take our first break? <laughs> I bet you. We have devoted half of our lives now to this stupid podcast about a fucking team with no defense. <laughs> it's true. You can hear my ice clinking. I need to get more whiskey, but but uh, I need to. I've been drinking whiskey since Saturday. We're going to take our first break. We're going to collect our thoughts. We're going to play those voicemails for you, and then we're going to get through the rest of this episode and uh, look ahead to Tennessee. This is the Mazodcast. Hey, Mazodcast fans, we are going to throw the first ever Mazodcast tailgate live October 2nd, 
Missouri facing Tennessee. We're going to have everything. Food, entertainment, all the personalities from the Mazodcast will be there. We're going to have all kinds of things to give away. We want to see you. We're going to have the biggest tailgate we can throw and get you in the mood to watch a Missouri victory over the lowly Tennessee Volunteers. And you can come back to the tailgate, drink all you want, and watch Tennessee fans cry sour grapes. Sour grapes. Live in person. It's going to be glorious, and we want you to be there. So get your ticket to the October 2nd Missouri-Tennessee game and come to our tailgate in Lot N, as in no, Peyton Manning doesn't play here anymore. And join in the first ever live hot garbage. Hot garbage. Mazodcast tailgate extravaganza. We are back. Colin, I mentioned the uh, voicemail segment, and our, I think we ought to just jump right into it and hear what you all had to say about this uh, disturbing loss on Saturday. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right, Colin. Uh, we had a ton of messages. I think uh, our record had been 45 messages after the Kentucky game. Uh, we, I've got 49 now after uh, Boston College. So that's the new record to beat as far as voicemails that came in. An eagle stands no chance versus a tiger. What the fuck were you thinking, Boston? <laughs> well... Uh, obviously, these are chronological, and this was before the game, and I really liked his enthusiasm. Woof, that was some really ugly tackling. Nothing, what? Six, six yard touch to my Boston College. My gosh, that was ugly. Hot garbage. Hot garbage. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this game couldn't have started better for the Tigers. They got a touchdown early, and then they intercepted a ball and had the opportunity to go up two touchdowns. But when they failed to do so, and they went three and out, uh, that's when Boston College struck, and we knew that our defense was going to be a problem. It was uh, almost immediately apparent. Tough fucking idiots. This goddamn defense is hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. Hot dog water. Hot dog water. Fucking shit down both legs. Fucking terrible. Ugly. Awful. I'm too hungover for this fucking shit. Go fuck yourselves. Love you. Bye. And that was obviously Phil, and uh, he, you know, that was as sort of down as we've ever heard Phil. Meow. Eagle strike back. <laughs> I'm just, God, I'm disturbed. That creeping me out. <laughs> Is he making eagle noises? It sounds like a weird it's cat. A, yeah, I think like a cat or something. Yeah. Tigers touchdown. It's going to be eagle flavored clam chowder tonight in Boston. Or just chowder, maybe not clam, because it's eagle flavored. Speedy mountain joke. God. <laughs> I know that we also have uh, Buffalo Bob from Silence of the Lambs who occasionally calls in, but this guy's much more disturbing, I think. Yeah. What's up, you fucking idiot? me again. 115 yards on the ground, Boston College, with two minutes left in the fucking first quarter. 
I'm pretty sure my fat ass could run for like 300 fucking yards on this defense. And I got two bum goddamn knees and a fucking beer gut plus chicken wing gut. Fucking hot garbage. garbage. Alright, I guess I'm going to take a fucking nap. Fuck this game. <laughs> I wish I'd taken a nap. Yeah, it's good to hear Phil when he's pissed. Hey coach, little tip. You can't play field position if you don't have a defense. Yeah. I, that I, is so true. <laughs> I was going to say, I imagine Colin agrees with that. God, that's what I mean. I talk about playing tight and fucking conservative and losing your ball sack. I mean, it's like, God damn. Like, what are you going to do? Betting on this defense? Are you a drink? Give me a break. Jesus Christ. That half was like kissing your cousin. Yeah, sure, you get a little bit. Still kind of blah afterwards. Come on. Better not fucking lose this game. <laughs> This is a guy who definitely kissed his own cousin. It's not just a saying for him. I'm seething with rage right now because it looks like we are walking through the motions in this game. And there are moments where it looks like you're taking off and Basilak's stepping up and we're hitting our guys and we've got good plays. And this is, there's just other times where it looks like guys are just walking through the motions, kind of half-assing the blocks, not really turning on the heat when they got to get upfield. Like, we are playing down to our opponents. There's no reason it should be tied at halftime right now. And then that stupid targeting thing got their defense hyped up, but we should be another touchdown up instead of a field goal. We're playing down to our opposition again. Mizzou's going to Mizzou, or whatever. M-I-Z. <laughs> or whatever, indeed. Boston College has kept us in this game. I have no idea why they don't, they don't just run it up the middle on every play. I mean, no, you're right about gosh. that. Yeah, that's all I got. I think that somebody has mentioned that on almost every game we've had. And it's like, why even pass the ball? You know what I mean? Just go up the guy. Well, you will win. That, this game should have ended on a Sean Robinson interception. And like the announcers even said as much. I'm like, sure, if that's, I like that throw at this, you know what I mean? Like juncture basically saying, what are you doing throwing the ball? It's the only chance Mizzou's got is if you turn it over. Mm-hmm. What up, boys? First and foremost, fuck our entire fucking defense. Jesus fucking Christ, they fucking suck. Secondly, I can't wait for Sam Horn because Connor, he's not going to win you any games, but he just won't lose you any games either. He's just nothing special. He's average. He's a stopgap, and he's kind of slowing down our offense right now. But obviously our biggest problem is defense. Fuck our defense. Fuck Steve Wilkes. M-I-Z. If Mizzou didn't need 45 possessions to, to win games, I, I don't think – I, I, I honestly feel like Bayslack has taken more heat because of the defense. You know, imagine if the defense got stops. I, I feel like I'm, I, I heap too much praise on him, Baselak, but because he's not perfect. But I just, well, I just watched so much Mizzou football, and I have watched so many mediocre quarterbacks, and I have watched so much. I, I think you're dead or nuts on. I think that like we put up 34 points today. We've put up a lot of points every game we've had, and every game we've had, we've had to cede huge amounts of clock to the other team's offense because our defense has been so inept. Imagine the number of points our offense could amass if at any point we punted once in a while, you know, but, but we don't. We give them huge swaths of the game to run their offense. And so it's just like the, any offense criticism, you know, like no offense is perfect. So any criticism at this point seems beside the point because we have one issue on this team. We can score points in a way that a lot of teams wish they could score points, but it, none of it matters because our defense is just completely worthless. It's like not having a defense at all. I mean, I just watched a lot of Mizzou football and I'm like, I, Bayslack does things consistently that I'm like, well, 
the last three guys didn't do that. Mm. You know I mean, I just don't know what else to. I mean, he's going to win some football games, but I think not that I'm not excited for Sam Horn. I am, but I just feel like Jesus. There's a lot of SEC programs right now that if you said can you you can have Connor Base, like they'd be like okay. Hey guys, first time, long time, um, West Coast Tiger out here. Can't believe I had to wake up at eight o'clock in the fucking morning to watch this dog shit of a defense <laughs> just get run the fuck over by an ACC team. I don't know what I was expecting, but I'm here anyways. Guess we'll see how this turns out, but I'm not feeling hopeful. Thanks. Bye. Good to hear from your West Coast Tiger. What's up, you fucking asswipe? Carolina Jackpot here. It's almost the start of the fourth quarter, and if you lose this fucking game, I'm telling you what, on a serious note, you need to have your damn play caller's head on the damn plate. Right there at the end of the damn first half, you had first and ten, or whatever the fuck it was, in the BC red zone. You go for two running plays, two times in a fucking row, you don't get shit, and then they force the dazzled sack to force the damn third down throw. The bedazzled sack has to grow into it. He has to just flow naturally. He don't need to be forced into shit. He can own this fucking team, but uh, as it were, I mean, it, he's, you're in a damn rock fight now, and you got to come from 10 points from behind. I don't fucking see it. I don't see it happening. I don't see scoring 11 damn points in the fourth quarter. But, you know, stranger things have fucking happened. Goddamn, I hope you get it. Good luck, guys. M-I-Z-Z-O, me, and you. <laughs> Thanks for all the support, Carolina Jack. But it must be mentioned that this is not his team. He's a Carolina guy, so the fact that he roots along with us uh, is much appreciated. I think he's talking about the play series that when I texted you, Brendan, I don't know if you remember the text. I, where do. I was like, God, Drinkowitz loves to be Mr. Creative Play Caller. It's a fucking goal line or it's a fucking red know, zone. A long third down, then it's all fucking butthole puckers up and i'm just like what the f-? and i think he's talking about that exact series right that said you that like god damn it who is, the fuck happened to our fucking offense yeah yeah it ceases to be creative in the tight like, moments Frankowitz did some sort of fucking incredible hulk transformation into marty schottenheimer for a couple plays and was like what the fuck has happened <laughs> big cocks for six i got really excited until i remembered we still need to get a defensive stop so not looking great, but we'll see how it goes. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Hang Tyler Beatty in the fucking Louvre. That guy is incredible. That guy is an artist of the highest level. Put him in a museum. He is probably the best running back Mizzou's ever had. He's just incredible. M-I-Z. That's a bold statement. It is a bold statement. I am very pleased with Beatty's performance this year, and uh, I hope it continues. That was one of the most pathetic games I've ever seen. We needed either this game or the Kentucky game to really make this season count. And now that we lost both of them, we are screwed for the rest of the season. I have tickets to the next two games, and I don't even want to go anymore. I hate this team so much. (laughs) Tickets for sale, guys. Tickets for sale. (laughs) Well, that sucks. Yes, Grant Carr threw two interceptions. But, man, 41 points again given up to Boston College. I mean, at this point... I'm caught probably being cynical, but we could seriously go four and eight at this point. The defense can't stop anybody. In the SEC, they're going to get pushed around by people if they don't get it together. Ugh. Yeah, you look at this SEC schedule, and you don't see a lot of teams that are like worse than Boston College. Charlotte and Kansas City. Well, classic Mizzou Wallace. Something magical happens, sticker kicker, and then, you know, get our hearts torn out and throw a shitty fucking. I have what? I. Uh, one receiver and three guys around him. 
and we, that's what we do on first down. All right, cool. Uh, fuck. I, I had seen it. Like, you know, it was like we were gonna, if we had got the touchdown, you know, Drink was going for two and just put the game on the offense, not that goddamn defense. If we can't stop the run, we could lose to anyone. Probably six and six this year. MIZ. So we got four wins, six win projection. Tides are changing for uh, Mizzou fans and their confidence level. Well, like I said, I think everybody, including Drinkwitz, is a little bit surprised at the direction this season has taken. And, uh, like I said, that, it reminds me of 2017, and 2017, if you might recall, was unpleasant. All right, Steve Will should uh, sacrifice his first floor child to Odin. Maybe they can fucking tackle. What a shit show. First quarter, shitty. Second quarter, shitty. Third quarter, not bad. Fourth quarter, not bad. Thicker kicker all the fucking way. But for fuck's sake, learn how to tackle. What a shit show. Me just hitting the field goal does not excuse Coach Strength's use of timeout. <laughs> the timeout usage was poor. Yeah, that's another example of when uh, you go, hey, here's this guy really high hopes for. He seems like a really good coach. And then you're like, please use your timeouts. Good Lord, we're going to need some time left. <laughs> I know. Well, it's like uh, 7 o'clock Eastern because I'm in Boston. Went to the game today and watched these guys. I would say play. The offense played. The offense played, you know, fairly well. But the defense, man, that defense is, it's hot garbage. Hot garbage. They are not good, and we cannot win with Steve Wilkes at the helm. Just saying. Calls for coaches' heads come here first. (laughs) I feel like our voicemail segment is where coach head choppings get called for quickest and most often. Well, you know, the more I listen, the more I think maybe just because I like blitzing that I'm giving Steve Wilkes too much benefit of the doubt. You know what I mean? Like maybe they should be fired. I don't know. I just kind of feel like, you know, there's not a guy on our defensive line right now that could walk on Georgia's team. And so maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it is more coaching. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's bad though. It is historically bad. And there's, you know, how long can you be historically bad before any person would lose their job? Well, it's Eli Drinkwitz's job to decide. What's up, Mazzotcast? You know, it's your favorite, Dick Wiley here. I mean, I'm here in Boston, went to the game, and holy hell, my nieces could play better defense than Mizzou can. We can't stop, we can't stop a fly from passing through a hallway. It's, uh, it, it was a rough game. I mean, that field goal is amazing. Offense looked pretty good until Bazelash threw the pick at the end. Can't really blame it on him, but we gotta switch something around, and I mean, I don't know, Drink's got to do something. I mean, we start the game with a great touchdown. We start the game with a pick. But then our offense also can't convert that pick from the 40-yard line to score or even get a even get a, a field goal. So, uh, yep, want to hear your thoughts. All right, bye. You pretty much summed it up. Yeah, it was a trash burger. Sean in Kansas City, I waited a couple hours to cool down, and I didn't fucking cool down. What the fucking shit was that? Goddamn play call on first down in overtime when we had control. All you have to do is get the touchdown and we can go for two and put the game on our offense. And what do we call a pass play? I didn't, well, I didn't see what the other side of the goddamn field was doing, but what I saw was our quarterback throw it to a receiver who was in betwixt three goddamn, three guys on defense. Like he had, there was no chance and he threw it, like he had, it was there if he threw it short, honestly, because they were all in the end zone. But no, he threw it into the end zone. It's like, there was, it was both. Oh, my fucking God. Like, I, I love Drink calling all his 
you know, tr- remixing the trick plays and flea flicker and shit all the time. But w- what the fuck was that, man? Like, can't be doing that shit. Am I, dude? You said it all, man. You said it all. Yeah, um, first Mizzou game in a while in person. It was really nice. Uh, good to see the other fans, you know, Boston fans are as bad as you expect on Twitter. Fully explain everything away just by recruiting. I mean, yeah, Odom was really terrible at recruiting, but not worse than Boston College has been, okay? You can't explain, oh, they have so much of a talent gap like it was Kentucky. Maybe some of it does fall on Steve Wilkes, and maybe it's trying to beat a dead horse, trying to play a system with under-talented players. I don't know. I'm Izzy. We, we, none of us know, but you also, yeah, Boston College probably doesn't recruit at the same level that we have been, and they don't if you look at the recruiting statistics, but they have compiled a good offensive line, and we knew that. This, like I said, this is NFL talent level offensive line, and that was why it maybe wasn't even a good matchup against Boston College as much as anything. I'm not trying to explain anything away, but uh, Boston College is not a bad team, and I don't think we should – feel like they are a bad team and this is something but we should be better than them that's what it comes down to and we're clearly not we're not, not better a bad than them. team but they're uh they would be a middle of the road team in the sec and that's what we would like to be but we're not i think that's what what's the frustration is is like you you feel like well south carolina and tennessee are bad right now and florida and georgia are pretty good right now and we want to be somewhere in between those. We want to pretend that we're better than Tennessee and we're better than South Carolina. And it was Boston College was sort of that measure, that yardstick. Like, well, Boston College is sort of your Tennessee, your your South Carolina. So we all should be. If we're going to beat those teams, then we're going to beat you know you know Boston College, right? Well, when you don't beat Boston College, and Boston College just racks up fucking yards on you. You go, well, that definitely means South Carolina and, t- and Tennessee can do it. That's right. And suddenly, this, this the wins you chalked up on your schedule because you know those teams were bad are like, well, we're bad too. You know, newsflash. Yeah, people are people are fed up, people are upset, and uh, they have every right to be. Well, Colin, why don't we uh, take a deep breath, look inward, and then uh, fire up the uh, Around the Horn music and bring in the Paul Feinbach, because it is time to go Around the Horn with the SEC. We, we, we break our bread at Waffle House, our teams are pretty good. Even play some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. We built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Jesus loves football. I always look forward to Around the Horn with the SEC, Colin. I think it's partially just because of that jingle. It's it's fantastic. Would you uh, fire up the Paul Feinbot for us? Obviously. Alabama, Alabama, Nick Saban. You ready to do this, Paul? Let's get started. All right, Colin. The first game I'm going to bring to you is uh, Alabama versus Southern Miss. Uh, Alabama was taking a snoozer this week, and I felt just bad for Southern Miss when I saw this on the docket. But uh, as you might imagine, they won easily, 63-14. to 14. <laughs> How else could it have gone? In uh, in the world of ass beatings now, uh, Georgia, the University of Georgia, now sitting at 4-0. They looked very good, dicking Vanderbilt 62 to nothing. Yeah, poor Vanderbilt. 
They're just a sacrificial lamb at this point. <laughs> Paul, you shouldn't be so happy about it, but you're right. Uh, Colin, I, I know this doesn't bring joy to any of us, but uh, Arkansas played Texas A&M. This, uh, I, I think we all kind of knew this might be a good game, but Arkansas actually really controlled the game and won 20-10 to 10 at Dallas at AT&T Stadium in front of everybody in Jerry Dome. Arkansas looks to be for real, and they uh, – Gave Texas A&M their first loss in the day. They sit at 3-1. Arkansas now 4-0 and and uh, putting up impressive numbers against a lot of different opponents. Well, I think it opened some eyes and that it opened our eyes and that Arkansas is actually good. And it opened some of the SEC media's eyes that maybe Texas A&M isn't that good. You know, They're I mean, fantastic. Like no, they're not, <laughs> Paul. They're not. They haven't been fantastic and they're not going to be fantastic in the, you know, for a while. And I everybody wants them to be because of uh, – Fisher, but uh, Fisher has not pulled a Kirby Smart or a Nick Saban. He's been, he's, they've continued to be Texas A&M. Under he him. is Let's beloved. He is a likable person. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't they matter. They have continued to be Texas A&M. That's right. And they, uh, they frittered it away this week and they'll likely do it again, but probably not against us. The SEC docket has started and is making these scores a little bit more interesting. University of Florida, we mentioned them earlier, coming off of their close loss to Alabama. Beat Tennessee thirty-eight to fourteen at home. Florida looks really good. They sure do. I think all of that uh, pessimism about Georgia was misplaced. They are a really good football team. Yeah, I have to agree with Paul in this instance. Frankly, Colin, I think this is the rare occasion we've been doing this show since twenty fourteen. And one of the things about being a Mizzou fan is, well, you know, we don't have a lot of national titles to talk about, or even contending for national titles. But every year, it seems like we do better than the SEC media prediction. I feel like this is one of those terrible, terrible, strange years where we have to just say all our predictions were based on rose-colored glasses and fandom, and we were wrong, and the national media was right the way things are looking now. Arkansas's good, we're bad, just as everybody thought, and uh, we're having to swallow that very bitter pill now. You can't always be right. <laughs> you should be fired. The good news is that Tennessee sucks, and they uh, put up only two touchdowns against Florida, and that's who we're seeing next week. But uh, let's go on. Auburn played Georgia State. That one was closer than it needed to be. Georgia State just 1-3 on the year, 0-2 on the road, yet they put up 24 against Auburn, lost by 10. 34-24 was the final. Auburn looks suspect. Yeah, it's strange, too, because I thought Auburn was looking good after they played Penn State, but well, if Mizzou's got any... Um they can take any consolation. None of these teams have looked terribly consistent. You know, I mean, that's one of the things that made, has made Arkansas look so good is that they haven't had quite as much um, sort of inconsistency with as the rest of the SEC teams have. You're right about that. Yeah. Speaking of not looking great, LSU did pull off the win this weekend, but just by a field goal against Mississippi State, twenty-eight to twenty-five was the final. There, uh, I was glad to see it because I had money riding on this game. I was just like. I think it was a point and a half that I had LSU was given up to Mississippi State. And I'm like, ah, that's a tight line. And until Mississippi State can prove otherwise, LSU is going to beat Mississippi State. And it turns out that uh, even in a rough year for LSU, they can still beat Mississippi State and cover the spread. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, right now, you know, if you take Vanderbilt away, Mizzou's in a contest right now for with Mississippi State for 
the least impressive team in the conference. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, Mizzou has not, they're 0-4 versus the spread this year. If that tells you anything, they're even underperforming compared to Vegas's expectations. 0-4. The last game we saw, other than the Missouri game, was a strange one. I'm curious your thoughts on this. Kentucky pulled out a win 16-10 to over lowly South Carolina. Kentucky is still undefeated, although do not look as impressive as one might think. I mean, yes, they won against us, but that is continually proving to be less and less impressive. They barely beat Carolina. Granted, it was on the road. I think Kentucky's probably not as good as we thought. I think we're not as good as we thought, which made Kentucky look good. But I think Kentucky is a lot closer to the middle of the pack than they are Florida or Georgia. And that's still a really good season for Kentucky. But uh, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not world beaters. They're not there. They pose zero threat to Georgia. They, we just happened to be not good. And so we made them look pretty good. But really, I mean, we gave them all they wanted in that game, you know? So, and we don't have a defense. So what's that tell you? You know, if they were good, they should have hammered our ass. Well, let's look ahead to next week, Colin, because there is a, a as many SEC games as there has been all year. It's going to be week five. Things are really starting to get interesting now. One of those games right out of the gate, 11 a.m. at Sanford Stadium in Athens, Georgia. Arkansas comes to town. The Battle of the Undefeateds. It will be interesting. This will be Arkansas's greatest test to date. Georgia is an 18.5-point favorite at home, despite all the good that we've seen from Arkansas so far. What do you think is going to happen in this game? Well, I think Arkansas will put up a good fight for a while because I think their defense is pretty good. But I Georgia's fucking defensive line is ridiculous. And... Um, I, I mean, I think George will give Alabama all they want. You know, I, I still would still pick, you know, Alabama in a heads up. But uh, I, I like that bet. George is good. George is real good, and I mean, it will be a good test for Arkansas because I mean, if they give if they if they take Georgia to the wire or God forbid beat them, and then I will officially say you're right. They are legit. I mean, they're a good team right now, but they're not legitimately a contender for like a you know a new year's eve bowl or a, the playoff or anything like that but you beat you you beat georgia you're undefeated suddenly the you know you, you, everything changes yes sir well uh, alabama is heading into sec territory again this week they are going to be hosting old miss so lane kiffin another battle of undefeated lane kiffin sitting at three and zero, taking on his old boss nick saban obviously four and zero on the season Alabama's a 14-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. It's the 230 CBS game, the big game of the week. What do you think? Alabama. Uh, we know what you think, Paul. Alabama. Yeah. Nick Saban. They'll keep it interesting, but that's the most they can hope for. I don't want to hear Old Miss is uh, in Alabama's ballpark. That's not realistic. I know they've looked good, but I know everybody's like, oh, if anybody can beat Saban, it'll be Kiffin. I'm like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> You're right about that. Paul agrees with you. I mean, they're just not that good yet. You know, not 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 everywhere they need to be. You know what I mean? They got some nice skill players. You know, they're a good they're a good little football team, <laughs> but they ain't Alabama. What do you think about the spread? Alabama's favored by fourteen and a half. Do you think they'll cover that? I wouldn't take it though. I could see I could see Old Miss making a late run and getting it to ten or something like that, but I wouldn't bet that. Paul, what do you think about that line? I love it. <laughs> That's me saying they're really good. I mean, Old Miss could be within 10 in the fourth quarter. That would be a huge victory for Old Miss in a way. You know what I mean? This is a, Alabama's team that's going to that thumps people by 25. Granted, these are the Hugh Freeze days I'm talking about, but Ole Miss is a team that's done it before two years in a row. Like They do know how to beat Alabama, or they've seen it in their recent history, when some haven't. No, for sure. I think Ole Miss is a good team. I think there's a reason it's the CBS game of the week. You know, it's it's certainly the premier matchup. Well, Matt Corral's sort of the consensus best quarterback in the SEC. 
So it's, you know, you're the, it's the best quarterback in your league against uh, the best team in your league. You know, some program director said, yeah, we can put that on the television and make some money. From good football to bad football, South Carolina is going to be hosting Troy. <laughs> wow. Well, I was talking to a guy at uh, work, Colin, and uh, he believes that Troy-South Carolina game is the reason that we got jobbed with the 11 o'clock start time next week for our Mazadcast tailgate. Everybody should show up. He said that uh, Troy, South Carolina is such a fucking dog of a game that they wouldn't put it at 11 o'clock because they actually do want people to watch the 11 o'clock game. So if they have the just the absolute most abysmal fucking dead duck dog dying piece of shit rotten corpse of a football game like Troy, South Carolina is, they bury it at 2.30 on the SEC network going directly up against CBS and Alabama Ole Miss because they know nobody's going to watch the motherfucker anyway. So you might as well put it into that absolutely dead spot where no one outside of South Carolina and wherever the fuck Troy is will be watching Mm -hmm. it. Troy's actually in Alabama as well. Yeah, well, nobody's going to watch it. Not even people who went to Troy. The kids on uh, Troy's football team their parents never tell you this, but they're watching the Alabama game too. <laughs> That's right. Troy's two and two and just a seven point dog to South Carolina, interestingly. Florida is going to Kentucky. This will be interesting, Colin, because I believe that Florida will run through Kentucky. It is at Kroger Field. It is in Lexington. Florida is an eight and a half point favorite. I like that line. I think they can put up multiple score victory over Kentucky Wildcats personally. Yeah, I could bet that. That's the 5 o'clock ESPN game. It's going to be going up against Mississippi State at Texas A&M. A&M's a seven-point favorite over Mississippi State. While Mississippi State has already got two losses on the year, they're not getting big lines against him. Uh, A&M's only the touchdown favorite, but A&M lost to Arkansas last weekend. So the shine is certainly off of the Aggies at Texas A&M. I could see some people wanting to bet this from the standpoint of like, oh, they think, you know, there's a, there'll be a school of thought that uh, maybe A&M's season's going to fall apart now. Or there'll also be the school of thought that A&M's will be mad because they lost to Arkansas. And so they're going to just absolutely destroy their next opponent. But I don't know. I'm not an A&M believer at all. And, you know, I feel like Mike Leach is one of those coaches that every once in a while is going to sneak up and beat somebody he shouldn't. We failed to make our coaching points and our points more compelling than their fat little girlfriends. A&M does look beatable. Vanderbilt is taking on 0-5 UConn. Here's a game we need to talk about, Colin. Will this be the game that gets Vanderbilt its second win? UConn, 0-5, coming to Nashville. Vanderbilt's a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. You taking money on that? Man, UConn must be bad. You know what I mean? Like, wow. I would. I, I probably would take it. I'm like, I don't know anybody's bad enough to lose to Vanderbilt by two touchdowns. In terms of great matchups in college football history, this will not qualify. <laughs> I think that's an understatement, Paul. Vanderbilt will win. I don't know if they can cover. All right, LSU is hosting Auburn. Auburn's at 3-1, and one, as is LSU. LSU sits at a three-and-a-half-point favorite. It's the late game on ESPN. I mean, I don't know. I won money with LSU last week, but I don't know if I have enough confidence in them to beat Auburn. I think Auburn's a better team than Mississippi State was. Yeah, I do too. Paul, who do you got in that one? Auburn. Oh, I kind of maybe thought he'd go with LSU, but uh, he's picking Auburn this week. Okay, that takes us to our final SEC game of the week, Colin. Obviously, we know it well. Missouri is going to be hosting 2-2 two and two Tennessee on the SEC Network at 11 a.m. We will be there. We hope you will be too. We're hosting the first-ever Mazodcast 
tailgate extravaganza. I think we're going to be there early. Show up and meet the Paul Feinbot. We'd love to see you, and hopefully we can root on our Tigers to a victory despite our horrid defense. So, Mizzou's a three-point favorite sitting at two and two. I'm kind of surprised to see that, honestly, but uh, not Vegas doesn't have much hope in uh, Tennessee either, I guess. They aren't a very good football team. Tennessee. I know. Ten- Paul still has a lot of confidence in Tennessee. Tennessee. I don't know. I, I'm certainly not betting the Tigers or the rest. Of the, I, I don't want to bet a no, wild card I, team I mean, like you Mizzou. Bet, you can't bet any football team that doesn't play with a defense. No, no. I mean, I do hope they win. Beating Tennessee is one of the sweetest oh, things we can have. I mean, that's why. That's why we chose this game for the tailgate. I mean, yeah. Nothing is nothing sweeter than beating Tennessee, and we thought this year would be no problem because Tennessee was going to be bad, and everybody knew it, and we were convinced we were going to be good. But then we decided that we just. Try something experimental where we only played offense, and it's not working out. The hapless Tigers continue to inch toward the bottom of the SEC. All right, yeah. It gets truer every week, Paul. All right, Colin, let's get out of that ugly business and look ahead to Kansas news. I always heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. I think it has to be said that, uh, Colin, you actually did the research for Kansas News this week. Uh, I just, yep. It's notable in its uh, scarcity. <laughs> yeah, it's rare, the rare thing. First story of the day coming from Colin and Fox 4 in Kansas. Kansas man pleads guilty to stealing a $3,200 lawnmower from a teenager. And it's got to make a living. A Leavenworth, Kansas man pleaded guilty to stealing a $3,200 lawnmower from a 13-year-old boy. The plea comes less than a month after the crime. Friday morning, Harry Tolbert, age 59, admitted to taking the Cub Cadet zero-turn riding lawnmower. Police said, who could blame the guy? It's a beautiful machine. Police interviewed witnesses and watched video recorded on a doorbell on August 31st. Investigators said the video showed Tolbert driving away on the mower. He made a great escape on the mower? (laughs) He just sat on it and took off. Like pull up in a trailer and load it up. He just like, get off the mower, kid. I'm out of here. Four and a half miles an hour just drove away. He took that candy from a baby thing, literally. It's the second mower he's been accused of stealing, and apparently just hopping on, turning the key, and going is the best way to steal lawnmowers. Uh, He'll be sentenced in October for stealing the Cub Cadet, according to sentencing guidelines. He faces more than a year in prison. He'll be ordered to pay full restitution. Go to jail for anything less than a Toro myself. (laughs) Yeah, this is this is a thirty-two hundred dollar Cub Cadet zero turn radius. It's better than the mower I have. It's a. It's might be worth jail time. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I certainly take the upgrade. Kansas man looking for job finds costly trouble instead. I like these sort of uh, mystery headlines. They really get me excited for Kansas news. Yeah. In Wichita, Kansas, there are millions of job openings across the nation. You have to be careful because there are also so many phony ones. The Better Business Bureau said one scam is on the rise during the pandemic. In this particular scam, the victim could face legal consequences, including significant fines and jail time. I got a text from who I presume to be a young lady that told me they were interested, said one man who wanted to keep his name anonymous. He's looking for a new job and he's open about what allegedly happened to him back in August. It seemed fairly normal, he said. I hadn't been in a job interview in a long time, but these people seemed to ask regular questions. However, the interview wasn't in person. It wasn't done over Zoom or Skype. Instead, the person on the other end did this over a text messaging app. 
They told me they were using. Well, of course, but then who hasn't been job interviewed over text messages? <laughs> this, they, this course it seemed completely normal. So I guess we're getting to the point here where a Kansas man was duped by a scam. So that's shocking. Yeah, they're usually so sharp. They told me they were using the Telegram app because they were trying to figure out different ways to hire people because of COVID. He said, adding that he did think it was unusual. The person on the other end told him he got the job, or so he thought. So they sent me the check, he said. I got it Wednesday. They told me to deposit into my account, and then they would give me further directions on what to do. The check appeared to be for $4,500, and the person on the other end told him to buy work equipment. He cashed the check and thought the money was in his account. Then the person asked him for money to buy what he thought was work equipment through one of its vendors. So I sent that $2,000 to them, and then probably within a half an hour, maybe an hour, they asked me for another 2000 he said. I didn't respond to that. I just decided to go to my bank to find out if there were any issues with the check or anything like that. It turns out the $4,500 never made it into the bank account, but the $2,000 he sent was gone. God damn. You think about how fucking dumb you have to be to fall for this. <laughs> I know. You... Go to a job interview on the Telegram app, and they send you a check for $4,500, I presume, as a, as a signing bonus? I mean, what is it? I wish they told us what this guy was even get hired for, because I was like, they don't they don't give signing bonuses to janitors. God damn. And then be like, send, we're going to send you a check for $4,500, but then we want you to send us $2,000 to buy tools? Like, how dumb do you have to be? <laughs> and then they, uh, two hours later, hey, we need another, need another two grand. Oh, so I'll have $500 of the initial $4,500 you gave me left? Well, here's some good tips from the police, Colin, about this issue. <laughs> Sergeant says, any legitimate employer is going to want to at least talk to you, whether on the phone or through Zoom, so they get a feel for who you are as a candidate for the position. No fucking shit. Five Gs on you. <laughs> no fucking shit. I definitely was looking at doing an at-home job, but now it just made me bypass those types of jobs because I don't know what's real and what's not, the man said. Real stuff is real. It's an e it's easy to figure out which is which. Use your fucking not. brain. Yeah. I yeah. mean, goddamn. That's holy cow. It's a harsh monetary lesson for him, and he's still looking for a job. 81-year-old Kansas woman with dementia found in Missouri. Okay, so some of you are going to get a little nervous that we're going to make fun of an 80-year-old, 81-year-old woman with dementia. We are not. We're proud of this woman. She was in Kansas. She suffered from dementia. She was very elderly, and uh, there was a silver alert for her, and it had been canceled after she was found safely, I might add, in Missouri. The reason we bring this up, Colin and I discussed it beforehand, is that uh, even an older woman who is undergoing cognitive decline still retains the sense of self-worth and survival instinct to move to Missouri when she gets the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Her brain is just tapioca pudding at this point, but uh, <laughs> she's got enough instincts left to know that Missouri's a much better place to be and eventually die. Yeah, and I don't suspect that she would fall for the stupid text message job prank no. either. No, she wouldn't send uh, send them $2,000 for tools. No, she'd know better than that. She got out of Kansas, and God bless her. I hope she's able to stay in Missouri, and I'm sure her family's trying to request that she comes back, but I hope there are uh, medical professionals in Missouri who can realize that her health is in much better shape now that she's in God's country than the— That's right. Godforsaken hellscape that is Kansas. God bless her. Yeah, I mean, Britain uh, nursing homes are pretty miserable places 
pretty well everywhere. Imagine what they're like in Kansas. Oh, geez. I don't even want to, Colin. It's a kind of hell I can't imagine. All right, one more story for the day. The Kansas Jayhawks went up against Duke University. Duke's not any good. We all know that. They're not a football team. They're a basketball school. Surely Kansas would have some success against Duke, you say. But oh no, the Duke Blue Devils prevailed 52-33. to You know what would be fun, Brendan, is rather than have them play football, if they made the football team play basketball against one another. Yeah, I think that would be interesting. I also think that... I'd watch that. Yeah, I would too. They should also have just like a basketball cheat off, you know, like who has the worst violations and you know what I mean? Like get an award for just having the most bold illegal operations. I think Kansas would win in a wash, but I do too. But I think Duke's able to compete. Yeah, so Kansas sits at one and three on the year uh, with prospects still look bad for any more than that, but they've got that win thanks to South Dakota State. So uh, I'm sure that they're thankful to that team for existing because it, it, keeps the goose egg off the board, which they can't do that every year. Okay, Colin, we're closing in on this episode, but we do have a couple of awards we need to give out before we close anything up. And one of them I'd say is a little tougher this week. Now it's time for Kirk Farmer's hair player of the game. I personally find this easy. Yeah, go ahead. And that's hair. That's Mavis. Okay. I mean, when the game was on the line, he had to hit a huge kick and did. And I, I feel like it was the only time in the whole day where Mizzou fans had confidence. We're like, well, we've got one player in our team who doesn't shit the bed, and he's the thicker kicker upper. It's really a shame that we lost this game for uh, because, you know, that Mevis kick, everybody's going to remember that kick because it was a bomb. But imagine that would be like, a, no, gosh, if that had been a, that had propelled us to a win, that would be like one of those things that people talked about, like the, fifth down game or something you know what i mean like remember the the mevis miracle oh it would be it would it would enter mizzou lore no doubt i mean taking us into overtime which was improbable and was exciting to watch and in no small part because of his confidence and his leg i mean the thicker kicker is you know we like tucker mccann tucker mccann was he, he had a slow start he missed some early ones but you know he was highly touted and we were excited about tucker mccann but, I mean, when you've got a guy who's the real deal, and Harrison Mevis is certainly that, you know it. And, I mean, I have all the confidence in the world in this kid, and I can't believe I'm saying that about a college kicker. Yeah, kick if you thick. Okay, well, I, I agree with you, and that's what I was going to pick as well if you had not already brought it up because he was the most important part of this game and kept us in it. So congratulations, Harrison Mevis. You are the Kirk Farmer's Hair player of the game. That gets us to our other award we give out each and every week. Named for TJ Moe, once a great slot receiver for the Missouri Tigers, now a huge fucking douche. <laughs> and we've named our award for him. It's time for the TJ Moe Douche of the Week. What do you think about this one, Colin? Well, let's admit it. We talked about this a little bit yeah, before. It's, the, it's the Boston College fan base. Yeah, the entire fan base of Boston. <laughs> yeah. I, we've never met such a particular bunch of fucking thin-skinned babies. Good yeah. lord. I mean, the entire state of – the great state of Massachusetts or Commonwealth. Nobody cares about that. Drinkowitz makes an, a, a comment in passing. The whole fucking fan base goes into a full lather. And, 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 the, and the comment was so benign, too. You know, It's just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'd rather like, play oh, someplace oh, where I could recruit uh, better. So I'm so sorry that hurt your feelings, Boston. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Jesus Christ. And then one of their uh, – Mouth-breathing morons found uh, our uh, show where we made fun of them. 
Yeah, and uh, rightfully, my goodness, boy, they we really hurt their feelings. Somebody in and Boston they, they took kept quoting like four touchdowns. Like we never said four touchdowns. <laughs> Let me explain. Fact, the exact goes. I'm not saying it's gonna be four touchdowns or anything. And somehow they turned that into we said we were gonna win by four touchdowns. So I'm like, are you fucking? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just like, uh, boy, uh, I thought Tennessee fans were a bunch of moaning, pissing babies. And uh, <laughs> then I watched Boston College storm the field for winning a football game in the middle of the season against a mid-tier East Division SEC opponent. Yeah. Unranked. Unranked. Obviously, they're Super Bowl. All week, they're blabbering about how good they are and how, you know, Mizzou thinks they're all that and SEC's overrated. And then they storm the field. Gone. I just want to back up an unranked opponent, and it's like I think that's the biggest self own ever. I mean, if you want to, if you want to let the world know that you ain't shit, (laughs) that's a Kansas Jayhawks move. Storming the field when you beat an unranked opponent, it is. uh, It's bush league, and it's it's a testament to how stupid and terrible they are. Gone. I I want to add a little context. So you mentioned the four touchdown comments. We in our pregame show we talked about this game and if you listen to it in full and in context uh we you know we said that a mizzou team a sec team should expect to beat a boston college by two touchdowns but neither one of us were willing to bet it because of our defensive deficiencies and we knew that it probably would be close because of that well the clip that the boston fans went nuts about from us was clipped down to saying that we would beat them by two touchdowns or you thought they could beat them by two touchdowns and then like you said at no point did we ever say that we would win by four touchdowns but we're getting tweets from people who are like what about that comment you said where you're going to win four touchdowns how about that now and i'm like we never did say that you fucking idiot you absolute mouth-breathing fucking moron um, we were spared some of their rage because so many of them are illiterate and can't fully type onto a computer screen or a phone. So we didn't have to hear all of it. But yeah, they really, really were proud of themselves and came after us. And um, yeah, very, uh, very particular, very thin-skinned. Uh, you might, you might say it's born of rampant insecurity. Well, and I just want to yeah. say that you know we <laughs> they were coming at us and we're giving them the douche of the week award. And you say, kind of, is it worth doucheitude? And I will say this. Boston has a reputation that they're supposed to be kind of good at insults. You know, they're, they're known for their cutting, creative, clever jabs. And I was kind of, we lost the game. We knew we were going to take a little heat. I was kind of waiting for these, this really funny, clever Boston fan base to really give us the business. And we got nothing. We, we just like people saying scoreboard and stuff. Like it, it was lame, boring, disappointing horse shit from a bunch of mouth breathing trolls from a part of the country that is dying slowly and uh, nobody likes I mean it just nobody wants to go there nobody cares about it and they say you know they, they insult us by calling it flyover country but the reality is is that you know it's beautiful here rolling hills and instead you've got an old stale shitty city that people couldn't get out of fast enough and you've got a really nice history yet everyone who's alive now fucking sucks <laughs> Well, I don't know about all that. Well, I will say this. it's Boston's a nice place to have for racist people from the South to go and be able to go and visit North and feel comfortable because they're at a place every bit as racist as the South. <laughs> yeah, we had to cut out Boston voicemails that would come in because they were so full of uh, racial <laughs> slurs and homophobic like <laughs> language. I'm not kidding. It's in there. I mean, we could play it for you, but we won't because it's disgusting. Yeah, so. they, they did live up to the reputation in that respect. <laughs> yeah, they're real pieces of shit yeah anyways douche of the week i kind of like boston though i mean that's where i've been to the city i enjoy it yeah i do too i I, I, I just feel like 
besmirching the entire city of Boston is is a doesn't really uh, it doesn't really do it because it's really it's Boston college fans that are the the douche of the week. Sure, and but I I kind of wanted to just up the ante because I knew they'd be listening to this. I mean, they were listening to our show, and I think that some of them are hoping that we're like crying and moaning about it. I guess that's what we're doing now. But um, I think they're listening to it, so I wanted to anger them as much as possible. So I took a huge nuclear dump on all their entire city. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we can get more badly misspelled insults hurled at us on Twitter. Yeah, I mean it's it's a city known for Ben Affleck and losing to the Yankees. Yeah, that's true. All right, Colin, we are looking ahead to Tennessee. I think we knew need to get a final push out for our tailgate. Well, I think we're going to be there super early. It's an eleven o'clock start. We'll have the Bloody Marys flowing like wine, and we want to see you there. We do want to beat Tennessee bad, and do you think we are going to do it, Colin? Uh, no. It can't. I mean, you can't win games until you have a defense. We don't have a defense. So we're, we're going to have to play a lot better on defense before I'm going to start predicting we win against anyone. Missouri's a three-point favorite. Like I mentioned earlier, Missouri has not covered the spread in any game they've played this year. That doesn't bode well for us with this being a tight spread at Furrow Field. But uh, I, I don't know. I will take a lot of solace. If we do manage to beat Tennessee, Colin, I think that'll do a lot for the confidence of this team. I do wonder, you know, there are years, the year we mentioned in 2017 where we lost five consecutive games. We did get better as that season went on. The defense did gel a little bit and we won a few games we weren't supposed to. It was still a bad season, but teams can improve. Schemes can be adapted to fit the personnel you have. The personnel can get some, you know, they're, they've been tested in battle now. They know what they should be doing, whether they can improve or not is anybody's guess, but it is possible if we beat a team like Tennessee, all is not lost, I guess. You know, and if we beat Tennessee, I'm sure we'll still be able to play sour grapes because Tennessee will not think they should have lost regardless. That's right. That's always the we case. Could, we, could, we could be stacked five-star recruits across the board on both sides of the ball, and Tennessee would still feel like they deserve to beat us just because they're quote-unquote SEC. Well, that's what I'm hoping for because I would like to taunt the Tennessee fans as they leave Furrow Field from our tailgate. I think that would be the best way to end that day. And of course, obviously, um, drunk at a strip club, fighting Tennessee fans. Yeah, sure. Sounds great. All right. Till then, uh, we're going to bring our midweek show for you. We are excited about this when we're back in SEC play. Maybe we can write the ship, Colin. M-I-Z. D-O-U. What a shit show.